Okay, fellas, I'm going to call you in, not out. It's Festivus, probably the day that this comes out after all. I'm so fucking mad at you guys. People who I think I call friends, whatever that word means now. You guys made me watch this movie. Man, I had the fucking hardest month of school. Extensions on top of extensions. I had to tell my family I wasn't coming home for Christmas. And then I see in the DMs that we have to do another episode with Cody. <laughs> I have to watch this fucking movie. Do you know how much time? Do you know how much I've been waiting to be done? You piece of shit. Disrespect my time. No, the first thing I do isn't watching movies off Criterion Channel. It's not putting on a candle around my hot bath while I read a book about the making of HBO's Entourage. It's not watching Chinese powerlifting videos. I have to watch Miracle. Not Miracle, the movie. Miracle on Christmas fucking Lake. <laughs> a movie that got less than two stars on Letterboxd. A movie with no Subarus in it at all. Look, the large <laughs> cast wouldn't do this to me. And the large cast signing offer. They specifically said they'd let me have veto power over any media content. The only reason you chuckle fucks got me to stay in my seat was because of CRTC rules about how many brown guys are allowed in a show. <laughs> same thing. It's the same thing that got Shad kicked off that CBC show about QAnon or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to do this by my rules. I ask the questions. I'm not giving a take on this fucking movie. It's fucking corny ass, Riverdale, darkness ass, Christian straight to DVD ass movie. You only chose this because there's a character named Roxy in it, isn't it? <laughs> Fuck Christ. Let's see what else do I have to say about this. Uh... There's a line in the movie where they go, we're not even going to get to this Joker by the time this mall closes. That's a thing JD probably said to his mom at the Tinseltown Theater in 2019. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> fucking... You know what, Jackson? Look, just hit the recording button. I'm ready to go. <laughs> wow. Bow, no, 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 no. All right, welcome to a very Roxy Christmas. I'm your host, fresh off the boat. It's Vyasaran. To my left, sharing a spit bowl is one of you. Go. Uh, Jackson. It's, it's me. It's Jackson. Uh, and uh, and joining me as always. Wait, as no, no, no. And to my right around the oh. spit bowl. Oh, that's me, Elliot Hoyt. Last time I went second, everyone yelled at me, so I went third. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and sharing a long spaghetti noodle like in Lady and the Tramp with me is our special guest. Oh, Cody Siebertson of the yeah. Cody's back in the house. Cody. Literally, all all four of us. We're all, are we're all, all in the same room, we're all kissing, uh, much less yeah. than six feet apart, doing tons of mouth and hand stuff, just breathing <laughs> on each other. <laughs> Anytime somebody is talking, everybody else is kissing. That's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We're all using dental dams, so don't worry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Cody, thanks so much for coming on to do another movie. Cody, by the way, who is uh, successfully a recent winner of a Warzone match. I know it's a rebirth, whatever, yeah, uh, with me and JD the other day. Uh, hit us up in the DMs if you ever want to play. Uh, also, Cody, like some stuff I learned about Cody during that game, um, who I did not know. <laughs> Cody, what is the name of your wife? I don't, I don't want to blow her over spot. I asked this ahead of time, but like, what is the so, name of your wife? My wife's name actually ties in the movie we watched. Uh, oh, her name uh, is Roxanne. And uh, I think a while ago, I shared like a DM being like, I changed my wife's Twitter handle to be Roxy Feverson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, saw I just realized like, oh man, Sievert sounds like fever. Wow. Yeah. So, Beautiful. Funny, Not bad. Man wonderful like i only found this out the other day and you referred to her as her name being roxy and i was like what the fuck <laughs> yeah um, how does that how has that not come up before i can't believe it i should just address um 
I've I've handed over semi hosting duties to Vias for this episode because uh, no nobody out there needs to worry about me or anything. But I'm not doing particularly well. Um, we are recording this episode on my fucked up tablet because something insane happened to my computer and I can't figure out what's going on with it. And I'm going to have to buy a new one. Probably the only thing worse than not being able to go outside or see any of your friends or your family is uh, not being able to do any of that except going to work. Uh, So I'm exhausted. I'm working more than I've worked in probably four years and I feel like I'm dead. So uh, not to bring anyone down, but I uh, I might not do as much talking as I usually do, which is probably a treat, honestly, for the listeners who are probably tired of me dominating <laughs> the episodes by talking for 70 percent of them. So um, big ups to Vias for uh, stepping in right. and, and and hosting this episode that is uh, about a movie that he hated perhaps more than even the rest of us. <laughs> Well, speaking of dead things and Vios, have I got a brilliant story about Rick Rippin for you guys? I am so scared of this story. <laughs> Shit. Probably the scaredest I've ever been about that a story. story can't be that worse is, than the segue. That is, this, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one, no one has damaged their reputation with this story more than Cody by just introducing it that way. Yeah. So, anyways, I also wanted to say thanks for my last and final appearance on Roxy yeah. Fever. Uh, <laughs> But in that same uh, Warzone tournament hosted by David Quadrelli, the quad father himself. Shoutouts. Yeah, shouts out. Big yeah. shouts to him for putting this on. Um, we learned a little about myself, my wife's name, and we were just kind of bathing in the tournament together. And then and we literally realized, bathing together. Literally bathing together. <laughs> in addition to doing all the now. mouth and hand stuff. <laughs> in a hot tub. It was very dangerous with all the, you know, wires, cords, wires. It's very, very scary. Yeah. That's why and, my work wasn't working. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes. This is what led to the confusion, actually. Uh, so our team died naturally because we're garbage and whatever. And uh, we started spectate, like in the game, you can spectate people that have killed you. And at some point, <laughs> Vias oh, noticed gosh. the name of one of the people on the teams was Rick Rippin 37 and Vias. Okay. Okay. In my defense, I knew like, I knew that there were going to be Canuck players in the game. Yeah. Like I knew Goddard was playing. I knew Patterson was playing and I, so I was primed for that. It's an easy mistake. We've all made it. We've all made We've it. all made this exact mistake. Exact particular mistake. <laughs> all daily. Daily I make these kinds of mistakes. <laughs> uh, and so Fios looks at the screen and says, Rick Rippin, oh, is he actually playing right now? That's wild. And so, oh man. Friend of the program, JD, and I are <laughs> kind of have like a moment of some head silence where we're like, wait, did he actually just ask that? And then Vias goes again. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, no, never mind. In in Vias's defense, the night before, he had gone out to a pond that existed only in his mind. (laughs) And the person that visited him was Rick Rippin. Oh, no. Oh, the the movie does start with a a fight. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) So anyway, Vias, I'm sorry to, to slander your character in such a way. But uh, there's, it was a bonding inevitable. moment. It was inevitable. And, yeah, it's fair. God, I 
I, for some reason in my head, like thought like, oh, smaller Canuck favorite. <laughs> I was just, I, for some reason, uh, misplaced him with uh, Troy Stetcher and got excited so and funny. just like let it rip. That's and... fair. That's kind of what this year's done to everyone too, is where you just kind of forget like what's happened to the team yeah. in, in its history. Like that's how like, crappy 2020 has been where you're just like, oh yeah, Troy Stetcher isn't a Canuck anymore. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's the sad part about my stupid story. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I've been I've I understand how you feel because like I've said to people multiple times over the last month, I feel like I'm turning into Vias because I, I can't I can't like <laughs> I, think I I'm turning I into <laughs> <laughs> um I uh I can't remember what it was specifically, but like oh yeah, like recently someone posted uh that picture of speaking of David Quadrelli, that picture of um <laughs> quads and the other two like people that he was with. I'm sorry, I don't know. I can't remember who they are uh, who they are. I probably do know who they are, but and and uh, Chris, friend of the show, oh, Chris Faber is uh, is like sitting in the corner there or whatever. And someone posted the um, the tweet in a group chat just to be like, look how young these kids look or whatever. And I just immediately w- was like, ha, yeah, Chris looks like their dad. And then it's just like, that's what the tweet said. <laughs> just repeating exactly what the tweet said because I didn't bother reading it. And then today, like just today, like I. I for whatever reason I was thinking about Aubrey Plaza and I just made some joke about like oh Aubrey Plaza is my favorite actress that sounds like a mini mall in South Surrey which is a Vias tweet yeah like, that's a Vias yeah. joke like yeah. no it was very good <laughs> the only reason it's not a yeah. Vias joke is he would know which neighborhood in South Surrey <laughs> yeah 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 I fair. wish so um before we get to the well movie, hold on oh hold up oh what, what's going on here you taking hey, the whoa. show back hey uh, hey <laughs> <laughs> only only just for the for this first portion here before we get to the movie which i have Ooh, wait, i had i had one more oh, okay I, yeah, I, I had, <clears throat> and so after i introduce cody <laughs> I was gonna say. so today we're just gonna do our usual thing maybe talk some shop talk some right. coursey project the top six <laughs> elliot's gonna do a tight five on new cap rules <laughs> uh, later on in the show at the 12 hour mark we're having Greg Wyshynski to talk about Alexander <laughs> McGillney on this day set a team record in 1995 with three goals within a span of two minutes and 55 seconds in the third period that he real? also had an assist to go along with his 12th career hat trick in the Vancouver Canucks 6-2 road win in Anaheim are you just yeah. reading Greg these tweets. Were <laughs> you just doing the come down thing where you just like pick up the paper and start reading? <laughs> One, I don't know what that po- what that podcast is. Two, right? Sorry, yeah. Two, the podcast I that dare I'd... not speak its name. It's a podcast I made up. I definitely don't listen to. Two, I thought I'd just uh, you know put a little uh, Vias touch on here and uh, do some education of uh, you know we got to remember That's our great. ancestors, you know. Anyways, I'm just joshing you fellas. We have fun here. Don't look. I'm going off the script right so now. So you're making you're making a crack here about me trying to take the reins back from the show, but this is why. Look, um, look. No, I the audience just, applause is uproarious right now. As we uh, make our way towards the movie, which is the real reason we convened here today, uh, I feel like we should just address off the hop a couple of little news items. Uh, a couple just to say that we did and then one that we actually wanted to talk about and it just sort of the timing it didn't quite line up it sort of happened just after our last episode but first things first uh, supposedly allegedly there's going to be hockey soon Um, 
tentative start date is uh, January 13th. I don't really have a lot to say about this, but uh, other than like, I'll, I will, I am not believing that anything is happening until it happens. You know, the last time they did this, it delayed multiple times. It was already supposed to be, remember when it was supposed to be December 1st? <laughs> That's that true. Yeah. This is a fucking long time ago. Um, I know the big, like, sort of talking point in the market right now is that BC is holding them up basically by mm-hmm. not by being apparently like the only place in North America that isn't willing to just blanket say that they will agree to whatever the NHL wants, <laughs> which is kind of disturbing. Um, which is actually, well, yeah. It's good for us. It's disturbing yes, for everyone no, it's, else. It's good. It's yeah. disturbing for, for everyone else. And I, I don't want to get into the whole, like, you know, uh, I don't want to simp for the NDP or Bonnie Henry or John Horgan, none of whom I particularly like, although, you know, um, better than the alternative. Uh, but I, I will say, like, I don't give a fuck if the Canucks play in Vancouver. No one should. Why no would anyone give a shit? No and I. I just the don't, only thing is like the players, like you know, it would be yeah. good for them if they can be with their families, but like I can't be with of, my family. Yeah, see, I, like I, I know, <laughs> well, I know that, like, Rachel, that's a, but I can, yeah, but I know that, that I know that's like a shitty way of of looking at things, but like ultimately, it's just like I, I don't, I can't in the midst of all this, like I can't care that some millionaire's life is a little bit hard. That's also like, of, totally of course, yeah. of course I side with them over the owners always, mm-hmm. but in the grand scheme of things, I don't care if it's hard on them and their family. Like, I'm sorry. It's, it's more important that the province stays safe. And even yes. if it's the safest thing in the world, yeah, let's uh anybody know how many people probably died today of this disease that's yeah. keeping us home? Like yeah. even Jesus, even if they've done it, even if they do it really, really safely, and I've heard the arguments about how like flying is still happening and this wouldn't be any less safe than the other flying, and I'm sure that's probably true, um, to the extent that I'm able to pay attention to it, but ultimately to me it's just a messaging thing. And one of the biggest problems that we've had over the course of this pandemic is that people get different sets of rules. Mm -hmm. There's a different set of rules for you. If you're rich, there's a different set of rules for you. If you're poor, there's a different set of rules for you. If you work doing this, if you live here or there, or you live with this many people or you live with no one. And ultimately I just kind of think like, why add to that confusion? If you want people Mm -hmm. to take it seriously, why just not say same rules apply to everyone, bitch. If, uh, if the NHL wants to happen, it's not happening here. I have a lot of problems with what the NDP has done, how they've handled this thing, how they handle things in general. I don't have a problem with this. This is mm-hmm. probably the most I'm going to talk at any point in the episode. I, I like <laughs> I like the idea that the BC NDP absolutely fucking hates sports. The way that they stood up against like, you know, the World Cup stuff, yeah. um, the what Commonwealth Games or something. Yeah, totally. oh, it, 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 fuck off. <laughs> exactly. Um, it, it really that that is like a highly redeeming quality of this government that they're just like, <laughs> no, fuck you. You're not any different from all the other things. Like, well, that is ultimately what it goes back to is just that, like, I see otherwise smart people giving the BC government the gears for this. And I just want to like grab them by the shoulders, which is super not allowed right now and, uh, <laughs> and, sh- and shake them and just be like, your hobby is not more important than anyone else's. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I play music, right. And like, 
Live music's just probably dead forever. Yeah, and like so I miss live music way more than I miss fucking sports. Like, yeah. yes, yes. Sure. oh my god. Pop released a video, and I immediately thought of like all the times we've gone to pop shows, and someone's oh, yeah. had like, you know, one too many jazz cigarettes and had to lie down in the back of the venue. And it's like, <laughs> you know what? I miss this. Sports. The thing with sports is that sports are a thing I just experience on TV, anyways. I've been to yeah. two Canucks games in my life. Right. I live on the island, and they're expensive. Yeah. I don't care if they're here or not. Certainly not when there can't be people there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I've had so many conversations with people where we talk about like, oh, what do we wish we were doing right now? So many times has my answer been, I want to be at a concert. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, specifically I, a pop concert. I want to be playing a fucking concert, man. There you go. <laughs> yeah, and never have I ever been like, oh, I wish I could go to a Canucks game. No, that is, no. I've no, never it's, given it's, that as an answer. No, I, I wish I could watch a Canucks game with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah I want to be hanging out with all my friends getting wrecked at a concert. Or watching a hockey game. Yeah. It's on not a big like, TV. <laughs> yeah. On a giant TV inside my house. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, um, that's enough time on that. Cause who gives a <laughs> shit? Um, uh, oh, I but, just want this oh, one last yeah. thing. I know that I, I can see that, especially on Twitter, a lot of people will get like a little surprised whenever somebody delivers criticism of like Bonnie Henry specifically. Sure. And, okay. I th- and just in the same way <clears throat> that like in the same vein that like we criticize like Justin Trudeau and John Horgan for specific reasons, mm-hmm. but then some people will, will maybe, maybe like who people who don't actually know us yeah. will assume that it means like, Oh, we're conservative or something. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> A problem with Bonnie Henry is not that she's doing lockdowns and like, no, 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 yeah, shit. no. I, I actually should say <laughs> I don't really, have a problem with Bonnie Henry because yeah. I don't really think she is the reason that uh, that bad shit is going and on. Like, yeah, she yeah, could yeah. Maybe you can maybe make some like technocratic com- critiques exactly, of her or something yeah. from like. Yeah. But yeah, like yeah. But ultimately, like, she's been on the right side of yes. most of the stuff. Like she's yeah. been she's been the, the one who you know again if we're grading on a curve, like she's been the one who's like yeah we should have safe supply or yeah. like yeah we yeah. should do and then the government is it's the it's mm. like Oregon and Adrian Dixon and Oregon fuck yeah. with that right so yeah. so yeah I mean I if, don't if anything the critique that I'm most willing to have of Bonnie Henry mm-hmm. is that I I mean we don't know what happens on in, in backgrounds and stuff no but I would not. like to see her threaten the government with quitting if they don't introduce safe supply <laughs> that would rock I, yeah that, that would be so funny that is that's not like a far away position I have like that's what I think she should be doing yeah um and I hope she has tried that or something yeah because totally I'll take down all my Bonnie Henry memes if she does that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is more time than I wanted to spend on this. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's that's all I wanted to say. Just like, I know some people might have that quick itch. Like, oh my God, these guys like, uh, you know. Yeah. No, no, that's fair. I get that. Um, He's an icon. uh, Second second order of business (laughs) is ads on helmets. Uh, NHL announced very recently that uh, it's a go. It's finally happening. Uh, the Armageddon is here. Uh, the NHL is going to place ads on uniforms. We can marry horses now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, specifically helmets. Uh, do you guys got any opinions on this? I personally I don't, don't like it, but shot. I'm not yeah. going to pretend that I really care. Yeah, okay. That's the correct take. Uh, who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the game is loaded with ads as it is. Like, whatever. Yeah. You're not going to know. I would rather, you know what? I think I agree with the Europeans. Like I'd rather have them just have ads on the jerseys than have like what you were saying before, like the Akalupa gold face off (laughs) uh, presented by Savon. Like, yeah, exactly. I'd rather just 
put a little sticker on the helmet. It's fine. Yeah, it's but just so it's funny that it's just like every time I turn hockey on, John Hamm is screaming at me about third party <laughs> apps that deliver yeah. uh, fucking like sizzling Tandoor right to your house. Yeah. And uh, and and I'm supposed to be mad that like a helmet that I can barely see says like, you know, condom depot on it or whatever. Like, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't give a shit. Um, it, yeah. it, it does suck. Like I get it, but it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I mean, a, you got to pick your battles and be like, we're just so the thing that is annoying about having ads on helmets, you have to go back so far to actually get at the root of why that sucks that getting mad about this particular iteration of that problem is just not particularly worth it. Yeah, in exactly. my opinion. Yeah. So last order of business before we can get to this steaming pile of shit movie that we all have. <laughs> um, is this uh, just interminable um, back and forth about anti-mask. Pro mask. <laughs> no, the uh, the Canucks logo and particular, basically the Canucks relationship to uh, the indigenous peoples whose lands they play on and uh, the way that they incorporate indigenous and indigenous adjacent imagery into their uh, image, you know? So this whole thing started with Braden Holtby's mask, just for those of you who haven't been following it, I imagine pretty much everyone who listens to the show was probably somewhat familiar with what we're talking about. But um, Braden Holtby, a little while ago, posted a mask on his Instagram. This is my new mask design. It had an indigenous art inspired Thunderbird on it, and it looked cool. I think most people would agree, like it was a nice looking mask, but Braden Holtby is a white settler Canadian and the guy who designed his mask is named Dave Gunnarsson. Um, so it was in Sweden and is Swedish. Yeah, exactly. Who is Swedish. And uh, from as far as I could tell a few people pretty politely and gently for the most part, at least all the major people, I can't speak for some random egg on Twitter. I'm sure somebody was probably a prick about it, but mm. from what I could see, like a few people very kind of politely and patiently were like, don't you think that if you're going to do this, it would make sense to have an indigenous person involved at some point in the process rather than just being like, Hey, it's my cool indigenous Thunderbird. And there were no indigenous people involved in making it. And then <laughs> uh, an article was posted about that because Braden Holtby apologized and said, yeah, you know what? You're right. Uh, we're going to redesign this with an indigenous artist. And at that point, it should have been like, ah, cool. The system works. Let's all move on. But instead, um, it was really like the ideal of like, you know, a mistake, polite criticism. Oh, yeah. Rectification. Like, absolutely. It is what a healthy society would do with a slight transgression. Yeah. A slight, tra a slight like transgression. Like transgression on like a, a pretty complex social norm. Yeah. And yeah, an accident that had more to do with yeah. not having the knowledge. Absolutely. Which, had, which is its own mm. problem. The fact that, you know, yes. the knowledge wasn't, yeah. or they didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Um, and just so, yeah. So just to, to, to recap, to finish the recap there, um, there, an article is posted about Holtby's apology. And from that point, uh, this thing really snowballs because people like, hilariously, like, I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it, but like the chuds picked this up and were really mad that he apologized and decided to change the mask of his own volition and did not, he did not seem upset about it at all. Um, you know, they, they got a hold of this and blasted it all over the internet and it became this huge story. Um, and then in the process of that happening, um, a UBC professor who is white posted a Twitter thread about how, as long as we're on the topic, we should talk about changing the Orca logo as well, because it's also, um, it, incorporates some elements of indigenous art it's very clearly allude like it's very clearly trying to give that impression and you know no indigenous people were involved in that and you know i think once again like it's just a guy on twitter like so voicing his opinion or whatever and then tmz picked it up and the story turned into the canucks are being pressured into changing their logo um which is i i just have to say like Man, guy tweeted something should never be a fucking news story. I'm sorry. Like not even, <laughs> okay, but also, not even Donald Trump. When is the Trump, Canucks being like, pressured to change their logo not been like something ha- that's happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I feel I feel the same way about the Canucks Orca logo that I feel about white people with dreadlocks. Even if you don't understand uh, why, like culturally, you shouldn't do that or don't 100 percent agree with it, you shouldn't do it because it looks stupid. <laughs> You should get rid of it because I, it's bad looking. <laughs> but anyways, um, I know the rest of you are going to have thoughts on this. I, I'm kind of that's a, about as much as I have to say. about. OK, so I have one very Vios, if you will, thought about this. Yeah, yeah. Wait, a Vios thought or are you just saying, do you want time? <laughs> no, it's very much a Vios thought, which is right. like oh, no. the Canucks originally presented this logo as being indigenous inspired, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, there's some people claiming that it's not supposed to be indigenous art. And I mean, like, the fellow from the Squamish Nation whose name I'm going to butcher, so I'm afraid of saying it. Kulsilum? Kulsilum, yeah. Um, yeah. He, like, presented, like, the results of, you know, he did a little community consultation. He was saying, like, no one in that he asked really thought it was Salish art. But the Canucks, I think, originally presented it as being inspired by. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Because I feel like some people were saying that it wasn't. And I was like, no, it was supposed to be. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's pretty obvious that that's what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. I have a lot more of an opinion on how the discourse has evolved around it than I do on the actual logo. Um, Right. Because ultimately, it's just like, you know, I'm not that well versed in indigenous issues. I, I know where I stand in terms of how I feel about them. Um, right. But I, I don't like I, I'm not super well versed in the specifics of stuff. And so for me, like it's ju- it's just a matter of like, OK, so a, I don't like the logo and B, you know, if it seems to me that it makes sense to if you're going to you if you're the big like one of the biggest corporations in B.C. and you're going to use indigenous art for your thing, it'd be preferable to have an indigenous artist involved in that process of of reproducing their own art um particularly 
like I guess the thing I would I would like to have explained to me by someone is like, okay, even if you admit that, like, even if you think rather that they shouldn't apologize and that none of this is a big deal and that everyone's overreacting. Okay, fine. Explain to me why it's better to have a white person do it. Oh, they can't they can't do that. And if you can't explain that, then why are you so mad? Well, Dave from Sweden is the only guy who knows how to paint onto a curved surface. Ah, fuck. It's the Mark <laughs> Donald problem. All <laughs> <laughs> no um and i have another very dumb opinion which is just like there was that indigenous artist who's like had done some renditions of it in a more authentic style and it looked pretty dope yeah and, the the logo on finn's drum is better we should just go with yeah that. That, that the canucks like directly approached this artist too yeah, yeah. it looks better it's better so clearly they She's know that. how to do that yeah of course well, I don't even blame I don't even necessarily blame them for like the fact that the logo isn't wasn't or I do blame them. But like, I don't really blame anyone in the current organization because that or, or that logo is like over that 20 years old. The current. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's just that's part of what's so weird. Like we're all stuck with this logo that nobody likes. That was a tie in to a corporation that doesn't own the Canucks anymore. It's bizarre. Yeah. No, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. The whole, the entire discourse that like came out of it really just got blown out of proportion and didn't really tie to this like the base underlying issue. And I mean, speaking as like the son of a uh, Capueno native mother, like our history with like our Aboriginal heritage is pretty messy to say the least. So like even my knowledge of like all like indigenous affairs issues is like really really light and like it's like i wish it, i had i knew more but like just like from my base knowledge like just seeing what people were saying just before like and- before you continue i i just want to say whatever you're about to say we are going to graft every indigenous person onto it <laughs> so just be aware yeah, yeah. i speak you are gonna speak because because it's it it suits my needs and interests yes. and desires. Um, you are now speaking for every indigenous person. So just no. Nope. Okay, let me let me preamble a bit more. Yeah. Okay, so on be, <laughs> oh, on boy. behalf of all Canadian uh, indigenous peoples, you know, territories and provinces, everybody, every single one of them, yeah. we're all the same. We all have the same issues. Uh, speaking on behalf of all those people, I just have to say, like, I feel like all this can kind of boils down to like a horrible lack of education to Canadian peoples about what like the underlying Mm -hmm. issues are with indigenous affairs. Cause you, you could see in a lot of people's responses, it's like, this isn't cultural appropriation. And in one instance, I had a private conversation with someone on discord and I said like, you know, this isn't just, you know, copying someone's art style. There's, there's a rich history like that goes into stealing mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. from indigenous persons and Killing a lot of things from indigenous people. You might say, yeah. And this person said to me, like basically did the, like, well, why, why are you arguing on their behalf? And I'm like, well, you know, my mom was taken during the 60s scoops. Yeah. She, basically didn't wasn't allowed to find out her heritage until she was like in her late 40s because of the way the government kind of hid everything that was going on basically found out her heritage on her own and i was met with the response of oh well the 60s scoops were (laughs) well-intentioned i've had sort of like 
cordial relationship with him before through discord. Cause that's sure. where like I talked to him beforehand. So I thought he was okay. Sure. And the way he came across in this conversation, kind of like, well, I'm going off of what I've Googled and <laughs> looked on Reddit. Yeah. Therefore yeah. I know enough to dismiss your concerns or what you say you need to think about when you're considering where this concern of appropriation is coming well, from. Jesus. And so like, I think back to when, like, I don't know, like maybe it's different on Vancouver Island. Like, I, I don't know. Sure. But for here, I don't remember talking about indigenous affairs at all through grade school. I think we went over Coast Salish art and then different band names in grade three or two. And mm-hmm. then that was it. Mm-hmm. But like Indian Act, nope. 60 Scoops, nope. residential schools, none of that is taught when you're in high school, you pretty much learn it on your own volition or through uh, secondary or post-secondary education. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, th- this touches on, yeah. this touches on a bunch of stuff. One of those is that just in general world history for most, like, unless you're going to seek out additional like electives and stuff in terms of public education, like world history ends at 1945 for yeah for and, most and kids, also right? no country is going to teach you about its own genocide that it well yeah also that's another that's really another yeah. problem but yeah. the thing is yeah. is i actually i remember i definitely remember being taught a lot of stuff about in like canadian indigenous peoples but it was all fairly like it felt very patronizing like it was like this is the kind of art that they did and mm-hmm. like, these were their cultural practices and it's like you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with learning that stuff. Obviously, like you know, there's nothing wrong with learning anything. Obviously, and it's good to ha- to learn something about indigenous people in Canada and yeah. the, the people that you know we, were here long before anybody who looks like me were here. Um, it felt like very patronizing because it just sort of felt like, well, like shouldn't we be learning about like all the terrible stuff that happened to that? Wouldn't that be like a lot more valuable, but you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, like I remember a friend of the show, Audrey telling us about like what they teach about the civil war in America. So (laughs) I I can't, you know, I'm sure it's the same everywhere. Yeah. It's just like a strange disconnect to be like, Oh, here's all these lovely things like art and culture Mm -hmm. and ceremonies. And then, skip to or cut to and now they're on reservations and uh, there's a bunch of issues okay yeah you know mm-hmm. what i mean like mm-hmm. it, yeah and this is skip the middle chunk basically. This, yeah. the issue of cultural appropriation is it's really complicated and i don't blame people for their eyes kind of glazing over when they hear that term or for um for also being like kind of suspicious of it because it is something that can very easily be either taken like in the completely wrong direction or just to be the kind of thing that is um, kind of sort of a, I guess a crutch for like um, holier than now too clever by half college students that need to be mad about something. Um, Not to, not to go full, full on like Tumblr and action post or anything, but like, (laughs) I do, I do think that like, just, just so we're clear here, like, when people get like mad at Elvis or whatever for quote unquote, like stealing black music. Like that's a thing that I kind of like, that was one of the, my first uh, experiences with cultural appropriation was hearing that. And it completely turned me off from ever wanting to learn about it because I was just immediately like, that sounds dumb. So I guess, I guess what I'm getting at here is that like, 
I, I don't I don't want to pretend that like this is just some easy thing that like you're stupid if you don't understand it. But um, I do think that like the key here is always to listen <laughs> first yeah. before like having some kind of huge uh, reaction in the negative to the idea that like, hey, uh, maybe, you know, maybe people who the people who originated a style of art that has uh, often like uh, religious uh, and cultural uh, significance yeah. should be involved in in making it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can I can talk to some of that in this like screed I'm sure. about to do. Yeah. Um, one thing, just the when you mentioned the music thing, um, mm. I won't comment much on it, but there's actually a really interesting documentary that I saw called Rumble. It's about uh, how much of like rock and roll music is influenced by uh, like indigenous music. Um, all oh yeah, sure. Hip hop. It's mm. one of the coolest huh. documentaries I've ever seen, um, and they don't directly touch on like what you were talking about how Elvis yeah. but like I think there's like a richer history there where and I would also say like it's people getting mad at Elvis is kind of the useless part of it but exactly yes be yeah. upset at the record yeah. industry for being mad that. at Sun Records yeah for, exactly for like for actually yeah. stealing the music and then like if anything you know black people if, to perform yeah exactly like if anything my opinion on this has been you know everyone pe everyone involved in these things is imperfect but if anything like a lot of black artists got royalties because Elvis covered those songs right well and that's that to to me like just just let me finish this thought like okay. that to me is is like an example of setting aside like specific instances like that is a way uh, a more um uh respectful way of doing that is to to just be like yeah like we're we're that's a uh a, a, an example more of what i would call like being influenced by something respectfully and uh, like a a good counter example to that would be led zeppelin stealing blues songs that were written by uh, black artists in like the thirties, not give, and then not giving them royalties and going on to make b a bajillion dollars mm. off of them. Um, right. Like the, yeah. the idea that um, like, I, I just want to make it clear that like, I'm not one of these people who thinks that like, you know, I'm Scots Irish, so I can only make bad bagpipe music. That's, that would be <laughs> ridiculous. Right. Like, but that doesn't mean that this is ridiculous. Mm. Uh, what was interesting is when you guys were talking about some art stuff, I before this episode, I'll just quickly read out these things that uh, I'm going to mention him later again, but uh, Elliot Whitehill or Aquila Sultan, I mm -hmm. will try to learn this name better. Um, yeah. Really cool to talk to him, by the way, um, uh, in the midst of all the math stuff. Um, but he's had some really, you should follow him on Instagram. It's uh, K-W-U-L-A-S-U-L-T-U-N. And he's said some interesting, like, especially in the broadcast episode, which I'll also talk about. Um, mm -hmm. He touched on that issue. Cody talked about how people had to, uh, indigenous peoples were not able to learn about their own language and art and culture and yeah, law. Yeah. And, and yeah. to have to do it on their own is, is so nefarious. And it's, this is part of the genocide, but just um, he, he mentions how totem poles are not actually traditional uh, where he is in the uh, Sinema territory or Nanaimo. Uh, sure. They didn't make totem poles. They carved house posts and welcome figures, but neither are totem poles in the sense displayed. Uh, and totem poles aren't even Salish art. They're uh, a different type of art style that emerged partially as a reaction to the erasure of art. 
Um, hmm. And hmm. there's more to it, but I think you should follow him on Instagram um, because I realize as I'm saying this, I may not be presenting it perfectly, but yeah. And, and I, I do want to say too, like, this is one of those instances where um, I'm going to be wrong about stuff and, and I want to be corrected. And I'm, I, I also just want to be open about the fact that like, I, I really do not pretend to be an expert on any of this, but it's just something that I'm empathetic to based on my prior uh political and philosophical convictions mm-hmm. but i don't i i will i will cop to like i don't know a lot of this stuff and i don't know necessarily what the answer is here but i i just get mad when i see people who i know know even less than me speak like they're authorities on this mm-hmm. <laughs> and just one thing i'm just mentioned prof earlier i looked him up again it's uh, dr sean sean carlton who thank you is indigenous history prof he's a settler but he teaches indigenous history at the university of manitoba um, okay. Oh, it was the University of Manitoba. Yeah, Sorry, I yeah. said UBC. Um, okay, so on the math stuff, I can say one to five things here. I'm going to be <laughs> referring to fellow settlers for most of this, which I know doesn't include Cody. Um, mm-hmm. First off, well, lots has already been said, but not much more needs to be said that hasn't. Um, shout out to our friends at the Broadcast, uh, particularly Georgia, who could run circles mm-hmm. around a lot of us on this stuff yeah. and every of course. piece of shit who thinks otherwise yeah. can go to their own personal hell and be forced to <laughs> swim out of the bottom of an Olympic swimming pool of discarded Miss Vicky's trips uh, <laughs> in a video game. Anyways, uh, yeah. she conducted mainly this awesome interview on the broadcast with uh, Kuala Sultan or uh, Kuyas or by the name Elliot Whitehill, who's yes. uh, at Elliot Whitehill with one L and one T uh, on Twitter. Um, He's one of the calmest, most comforting voices you've ever heard on a hockey podcast. <laughs> totally. um, that episode was like ASMR. <laughs> yes. Georgia <laughs> told me that she listened to it like three times, like over. <laughs> um, and it was just fantastic because uh, like, I know that they're not from Musqueam, Sonish, or Slay Tooth, but uh, it was hearing the issue from the perspective of a fan and an artist from cinema mm-hmm. uh, gave a lot of us a lot of light in the subject. And that's just the beginning. So please listen to that if you can and Echoing another point made on their show, it, uh, well, there's a lot of things stuck out to me. Is one is that there's no such thing as cancel culture. Uh, I loved it when uh, I believe it might have been Sam or Georgia who said that. Um, nothing happened here. Nobody faced any consequences, and it wasn't like that big of a. Anyways, like anyone who was actually upset by what happened, like like us, like the extent of our words was a lot of people. Yeah, very politely going, eh, not feeling good about how the decision decision was made. And we saw that it was just another showing of the ass by settler culture that most of us are a part of. Yeah. Um, And it's always just to interject here too. Like it's always frustrating when like I'm always just frustrated by people who it's like, it seems like their whole um, being all of their convictions are just based on like nothing, nothing should change and everything's fine and everything's good enough. And then when someone goes, here's a thing that could be better. The reaction is to just get like mad at that. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. like, why wouldn't you want it to be better? Like, why wouldn't you? The, the, uh, the Orca logo is such a perfect example where it's like, it's not even a good logo. So if you could make it better <laughs> by having an indigenous artist design it, why wouldn't you want that? Like, gee, it almost <laughs> seems like your problem is just that you hate indigenous people because you're fucking racist. Like, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that's the case for everyone who's uh, mad about this. But like, boy, it's hard not to get that. Uh, impression from how mad people got about like the idea that someone might have a different opinion about the Canucks logo. Anyways. (laughs) 
And so it was just yet another expression of how even a large amount of people who knew, who know that we live as live as a result of, and for us settlers likely even benefit from the ongoing genocide, um, how we all got it wrong. Um, the only people who were actually outraged from this issue we found mm-hmm. were the sunglasses wearing white guys and their avies. Wait, I know that includes both Elliot and then Jackson's avies, but you know what? <laughs> I mean, is those guys being outraged by the social justice ghosts that they keep thinking they see. And it took over the conversation, mm. one that could have taught us all something new and could have unsettled our settler understandings of colonialism and not just the negative part of it, but also unsettling our understanding and giving us an understanding of indigenous resurgence. But no, it had to be about a bunch of gourd Canadians and guys like <laughs> you three can't laugh at this, but Ravi 9200192, whatever, posting about how <laughs> other people were mad about something foundational to the world that isn't political and is God-given like the logo of a billionaire owned entertainment product that happens to feature five guys on the ice as a central brand. We could have all prefaced our issue. Like we, we really could have just said uh, and had a really huge disclaimer before we said anything saying, we're not mad. We just think things could be better. And those guys would still say that we're triggered motherfucker. That's you. You're talking about. (laughs) Absolutely. Whether, whether you're a white or a racialized person who's on the backwards end of this conversation, who are you trying to impress? Like, I clearly need to read a lot more gender studies literature, but Jesus Christ, what is this fixation on wanting to be a contrarian uh, for these guys? Like, what is it with taking the side of reaction against colonially disempowered people just because you want to be the smart guy at the bar who literally brings nothing new to the table? As the one brown guy on the show, I just want to say another thing on this. Whether your name is Ted from the large cast, who, by the way, needs to download Signal if he's so happy continuing to be all right with the harassment of women, however Benalla's friends <laughs> th- might think it is, or if you quietly own one of the most powerful media platforms in BC, I'm not going to name that name, uh, what are you trying to do here? It distinctly reminds me of the feeling of trying, but for me failing, because I never felt safe with these types at the end of the day, to be a tough brown guy growing up in the burbs. You have a choice to be isolated, but in a group with the other, with, in a group with the other South Asians, Or maybe you want to taste a good life and be white. So you decide to be, uh, try to copy their style, their attitude and their politics. But I don't know what the point of that is. Like those guys will still make fun of you behind their back. They'll still make jokes about what your house and your lunch smells like. And they won't say shit when, I don't know, other people joke about how brown people caused the spread of COVID in the Fraser Valley. Um, When in reality, they're catching it because they're still forced by their bosses to go to work in kitchens, taxis, buses, factories, delivering all the sweet food that we keep ordering to keep ourselves safe. And no matter how many photos they'll take with you and invite you to Seahawks watch parties, uh, (laughs) as long as you bring that bright red colored chicken, they'll never actually let you into their club. Maybe you were brutally made fun of by them growing up and you decided to join them instead of fight them back. Or maybe you just wanted to do this so you could hook up with one of the white girls. I don't know, but it's wannabe energy. It's Uncle Taj behavior. No reference to Taj 44 intended, but (laughs) you look silly. You look foolish trying to impress white people by taking their side on this. You're colonized too. It didn't end in 1947. It followed you here too. And it keeps getting piled on. And the the main thing that's really stuck out to me that I've learned this year since the summer um, because of amazing people like Dr. Tracy Lindbergh is that when settlers see Indigenous art, it's not art. It, it's not just art. You may think it's just aesthetic sometimes unconsciously. And I have too, but it's not. It's not even just religion. And I mean these words very seriously, I'm about to say, but what you might think is just indigenous art is just as much, if not much more, indigenous law, L-A-W. It's an expression of power, resolve, resilience, and care. And these people 
are obviously not historic, even though we talk about them so much like that. And we're taught to think of them like that. They're not in the past. The only thing in your past is your understanding of them. We need to start looking at Indigenous people not as a nation within a nation, not as Canada's Indigenous people, but as sovereign. These are people who had, had and have armies, navies, complex systems of celestial navigation, and understanding of the literal ground beneath us better than anybody of us could ever have. And because we don't have that, because of how... Uh, because of the colonized distance we have from our ancestors who at some point far back in our lives as settlers, back far enough in our ancestry, I mean, at some point we're going to find people who did know where they came from, who did have their own laws that had its roots in the ground too, but we're so far away from that. That's been taken from us too. And it just sickens me to see people as high up as people like Francesco Acclini pretend that they understand what this issue is about. Like him, for example, he doesn't know anything about this issue except when he can cherry pick in service of him and his own pride. Uh, I don't have. Uh, uh, Vias, I just have to correct you there. Uh, he would never cherry pick on his own. Oh, he would <laughs> hire some immigrants to do it and refuse to give them water. So he'd let a, he'd let a couple of kids die for his cherry picking. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Uh, I don't have much of a final takeaway for people listening to this. But I'm just annoyed by how this always goes down, how much labor gets thrown onto Indigenous people to explain it all uh, and explain why they have any critique of anything, et cetera. And seeing people who look like me very unsexily showing their asses and licking colonial boots pisses me off a lot, partially because it reminds you of the kinds of masculinity I never felt safe around. Not in a way where I felt like I was in danger, but because it was boneheaded shit that hurt. Just not, other- safe, to, just not safe to be authentic. Yeah. It's not safe to be a person. Yeah. It was not safe. Not safe. Uh, like physically for like some, not, for, not on say physically, but for me, for some people I can't sure. say that, yeah. but definitely for some yeah. people. Yeah. yeah and sure. it, it was the shit hurt other people it was ignorant. Didn't make me feel any good to be a part of, even though it don't look like the only thing I could aesthetically belong to. Um, but like, I know how much I've learned in the last year and I know that's a lot, but it still feels like nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, there's so much more that people need to learn about this, learn in their own ways. But like, this was one of the most annoying conversations I saw go down way more annoying than honestly, some of the defund the police stuff that, oh, that sure. I was a part yeah. of for a while. Like anyways, I didn't know how to close that, but otherwise go follow people like at Elliot Whitehill, go follow people like Zach at Haida hockey, go follow Kal Salem K H E L S I L E M. And uh, go follow M underscore Goldhawk. Um, that's another great account. And fuck it, go read the freely available online Landback edition of Briar Patch magazine. Buy it if it's available. It's this incredible collection of work by activists and writers about what Indigenous resurgence and Landback actually means. And funnily enough, uh, also it's very digestible, very easily accessible too. Funnily enough, I had Taiwanese right. dessert with the guy who came up with the term land back when he was in oh. town once. He's uh, Nigel. Uh, he's this indigenous comedian. Um, I think I I don't want to get it wrong. I don't want to say where he's from and not get it right. But um, yeah, that was long before I knew any of this stuff, Matt. But uh, if it's okay, should we talk about movies now? <laughs> yeah, you guys want to talk about Will Sasso? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I do. I do just um, I want to close that out with two kind of different thoughts that will that I think will tie it together nicely. The first is I've been thinking a lot recently. I don't know if anyone has coined this or people have used this before, but I've been thinking uh, a lot recently about like the outrage industrial complex, you know, 
like Mm -hmm. the way that so much of media is based on making you think that everyone is so angry about something on on any particularly on the right, but not just on the right either. Like just this idea that media, like a lot of media is designed to make you mad so that you'll click on it or make you convinced that other people are mad about something you think is stupid. So you'll click on it and um, just don't, don't feed into it. It's, it's stupid. Just if you can't do any better than this, if you don't have time to read theory and I don't fucking blame you, if you don't, life is hard and theory is boring, but like, the best heuristic you can go through life with is just that everyone is trying to sell you something. And so anytime you see any news story, try to figure out what they're trying to sell you. Um, because a lot of the time, the, when, when a story like this happens, like I, I, I did not see one purple haired SJW white woman getting incredibly upset about this and saying Braden Holtby does genocide. I didn't see that. Like I, I, I did not see that. So if it's, if it's out there, um, I, I believe it, but like, <laughs> that is not what I saw. I saw a lot of people reacting to people like Vias who went, huh, this, this kind of sucks. Or like, that's eh, too bad. They should have had an indigenous person do it by fucking doing the online equivalent of setting yourself on fire over it. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is just as an alternate way of kind of looking at this, um, if you have ever been mad at like people from Toronto for how they talk about hockey in BC and how they talk about the Canucks and how they clearly show that they don't know anything about it and that they have no connection to the team or the culture or um, the fans, but you're mad about this logo, you are not as fucking clever as you think you are, man, by being a contrarian. You are not smart. You're not a serious person because I've been on Canucks Twitter for a long time. And I, I, there are faces that, and, and avies and stuff that I recognize. And I have most of them fucking muted or blocked by now. But like, I know that there are people who are whining about how stupid this is that have gotten mad at me or JD Burke for quote unquote, not even being Canucks fans. So holy shit. If you have to be a Canucks fan to cover the team, then you definitely have to be an indigenous person to make indigenous art. And I don't even, I don't believe either of those things a hundred percent. Like I, there's a lot more nuance to it. I think in both cases, you need to be someone who is connected to the, the people who do, who are part of the thing to, for it to be like right and respectful, but it just, it, the cognitive distance dissonance there blows my mind. And um, uh, just on a final note, before we get to, to dessert, um, like a year ago or so, um, I saw that I saw uh, Danny Huntley from the broadcast uh, post a thing about how she was um, frustrated by the lack of female voices in sports, frustrated at the level of discourse that happens about women in sports, and that she wanted to change it. And so, to, and so, what she was going to do was she was just going to start a Canucks blog. And I was like, this rocks. This is amazing. This person has the right like attitude, the right disposition and the right moral compass to succeed and to be important in, in, um, in hockey media. And so I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, do you want to come write a Canucks army or whatever? Like being like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to help you like do your thing. Cause I, I believe in it or whatever. And clearly you can write. And, um, you know, 
I had this thought of like, well, you know, I, I hope she gets a chance to do whatever she she wants to do. She has blown my mind since then. Like to go from from that to what's happening with with the broadcast, which is like the biggest podcast in Vancouver now, pretty much like independent podcasts, certainly. Um, and so I just want to say that I'm uh, I'm super proud of her and super proud of of all those girls. Not that they need my accolades, but um, yeah. Uh, and just like, you know, everyone is allowed to have respectful disagreements with people. But holy shit, like you are not cool. Uh, any of these people harassing or showing their asses or, or um, you know, just just saying and tweeting and uh, these the just terrible shit. I, I just it it sickens me. Um, not that any of our listeners would would do that. But like if anybody's listening to this, who's ever uh, done that? Um, I uh, respectfully request that you redacted yourself. Make amends. Yeah. Your own terms, make, make amends between uh, you and Satan. Um, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, you guys want to talk about this terrible movie? <laughs> I, I just wanted to add a, a final note Please. as well. That oh, just sure. Says, yeah. This should re- like that entire run of dialogue from Vias there was brilliant. Mm-hmm. And that should yes. really put a pin in the Vias is white thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is a nice uh, palate cleanser for what we're about to talk about here. Um, Yeah, we initially convened with the intention of just doing a straight movie episode like we did with Mighty Ducks and and others. Um, But there was other stuff we wanted to talk about, which is uh, just as well, because this movie was fucking terrible. And I don't know how much we're going to have to say about it. But Cody, do you want to maybe just briefly explain uh the what the deal with this movie is and why did you suggest that we watch it or was it elliot yeah, i believe which, this was elliot which one of you motherfuckers <laughs> okay, so you sent this movie to me right uh, no <laughs> i didn't send this did i maybe you did. oh shit someone said it to okay. me i can't remember who okay can i can i tell you guys a secret i will give you credit when we post the episode <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. can, I t- can i tell you guys a secret i have known about this movie for a month over a month i was looking up hockey christmas movies and i found it and i went that looks terrible we're not watching that (laughs) and then you watched it twice i tried to save us from this but it's not what happened so cody um why don't you uh why don't you fill our listeners in the the wise ones who are not going to watch this thing yeah here's the the summary here's the summary for a movie you're never going to watch yeah uh it is a 110 minute long field of dreams, but with ice hockey knockoff couched in like a Hallmark holiday family drama. Yeah. And it's horrible. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite legitimately one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I- I've seen worse movies, like just in terms of like production and, and all that. But this has so much going on. And based on the, the premise that I just gave you, you'd think, oh, I know exactly what happens already. But there's so much more to it than that. And it all gets unfolded in the first seven minutes of the movie between two characters, one of whom isn't in the rest of the movie, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um well. How about a way to start off? What did you yes. three think this movie was going to be about? 
So, okay. <laughs> Before you watched it. Yeah. If I haven't been canceled already for my Rick Rippin comment, uh, <laughs> this will probably do it. But after the intro seven minutes, I actually thought we were about to watch a really interesting movie about uh, a boy trying to come out of the closet on Christmas <laughs> to his best friend. Uh, yeah, fair. Because a lot of the interactions between the, our main character, Bobby Whiteside, and his buddy, Charlie Stang something, Stangowitz or whatever, yeah. two first, very real names. First problem with this movie, Bobby Whiteside is <laughs> not, a, um, not a believable hockey name. Whiteside is good, but his first name needed to be either like uh, Kyler or Caden or with Whiteside a K just needed to be his first name. And then his last name would be like some Scotch, Scots Irish bog monster name, <laughs> I don't know, McFadden or something. Whiteside McFadden is a is a hockey name, but uh, Bobby Whiteside. No one has been fucking named Carter Bobby Whiteside. in thirty years. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, I'm pretty sure the writer googled famous hockey players, saw Bobby Orr, and was like, "Yeah, okay, Bobby Whiteside." <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough. Elliot, what about but you? I, yeah. No, I think he Google. But that doesn't make sense because uh, Bobby Whiteside is a wingman, not a defenseman. <laughs> oh God! Don't even get me started I'm on fucking leaving. For wingman. some reason, this movie every time they should say winger, they say wingman, and it's really funny. Yes, among the various things about this movie that are completely uh, befuddling, um, the 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 wingman thing is very weird. But the what makes it even worse is not only do they only ever refer to they only ever refer to one position in hockey mm-hmm. and it's wingman which or is wingman. not a position but yeah they pronounce it wingman a bunch of times which yes, is a name so bizarre yeah who who wants to like okay give the 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 a, point a to point b sort of like storyline here well, i can try uh, Bobby Whiteside and his buddy play a game of hockey on the lake in Canmore, Alberta. Beautiful scenery. I, scenery is probably the best part of this whole movie. Yeah. Buddy says, hey, let's play one more game. The Bobby's like, no, I have to go see Karen or something or not see Karen. Yeah. And then his buddy dies in a car accident. Next year, it's Christmas Eve again. And he discovers that there's a magical glowing rink in on the lake that only he can see. Okay, yes. You're skipping over... <laughs> quite a bit of character development that happens that opening five minutes though that's true because <laughs> you're missing how bobby whiteside hates the city that he lives in and is planning on leaving yes that is a really big deal it, that's he's a big gonna deal. be out of here soon <laughs> yeah and it almost comes across like like you're not sure if it's played off like he has depression or something because he's really morose the entire time and like they're just supposed to be having fun like having a gay old time it's it's really bizarre because he's his friend is like well if you ever want to get out of here you can just go across the lake and he points off into the middle of the wilderness <laughs> so he's like sending his buddy on like a death march so I, I don't know the dialogue in this entire movie is like we'll get through a lot of it and it just doesn't make any sense but a lot of the character like motivations arcs plots are poorly explained because the dialogue doesn't make sense and kind of alludes to things that maybe the actors aren't acting the way yes. it should be yeah. like, or, or that just aren't like ever fleshed out 
Yeah. Um, because one one issue with this movie is that it's like three movies. Um, there's <laughs> yes. a Christmas movie that it that like most of the Christmas elements are really shoehorned in when you think about it. Like, mm-hmm. but it also contains the, the best element of this entire movie. It's also a movie about, um, like, it's also a field field of dreams ripoff, as as we've you know already established, and then it is in addition to that a movie about having your dad leave you when you're a kid and trying to like find out the story of why your dad left. Um, and none of these subplots are given, like, I feel like they're probably given enough time, but they're not fleshed out nearly enough. Um, <laughs> and, and, and like, just on a technical note, the thing that's so unnerving about watching this is that the acting is not a problem really. Like, I don't think there's any actor in this movie who I would say gives a bad performance, maybe the lead actor, but I would uh, counter that by saying that that he has to work with the worst material out of anyone. Like his character is the most stupid, has the worst lines, is the most non-believable. So like no one would have been able to act it well. I thought, yeah, the two villains did a great, like the two. You're right. Discount Riley Ev- and Jonesy. I can't remember Evan and Brian. Yeah, or whatever. The, yeah, and the, and they even did a great job. Even like mm-hmm. you know, we'll we'll when it's more appropriate, we'll get to the speech at the end. <laughs> but like, he is giving this just terrible, awful speech, and then it cuts to his mom, and she's like weeping. Which yeah. is really hard to do. Like the fact he starts that she crying. Was, the fact that she was able to to like cry bring to herself speech? to cry while watching <laughs> that kid give, give the speech about the night bomb is you know I, I I give credit to the to the actors. They are the one. They were the only people who showed up to do their job in this movie. Yeah, except for his older brother. <laughs> Wow. Who, uh, okay, so who it was uh, also very confusing because when we were watching it, it took us like three scenes with the older brother before we realized. That's his older brother. For context, the main character is in high school and his older brother should be, you know, like 22 at the oldest. The actor playing him is 42 and looks rough. Yes. So you're like, is that his dad? Yeah. And I did. I thought thought his dad the whole time. Yeah. So (laughs) I, I had picked up that his dad was gone and assumed that this was his stepdad. Um, Yes. Yeah. And, and I, uh, the thing, the thing here is that, like, I, this is a, it's a fucking Hallmark movie. So like, or a Hallmark style movie. So it was very hard to find out information about the actors, but based on what I was able to find out about, um, the mother, the actress that plays the mother and when she graduated university, from what I can tell, um, she is anywhere from between like four to eight eight years older than the actor who plays her son, uh, which is astonishing. And, and there's no, like it could have maybe been pulled off if they really like hammered home the idea that she was a teen mom, but that is not, not implied even whatsoever. This actor is 42 years old playing a, an older brother that like feasibly could not possibly be, older than like 30 
And but I think he's supposed to be like 20 or something. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> he goes off to college at the uh, end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in, in fairness, I didn't go to college until I was 25. So sure. And, fair and, enough. And it's established that like he spent a long time like working and wanted to go to college. Yeah. Like he's high up so in his work. Like he's a foreman mm-hmm. or whatever, the construction company, it, which we'll get to movie, again. But this decision does not like <laughs> merit me defending it whatsoever. It's insane. It's completely <laughs> insane. But the, 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 to to just to, because it's going to be hard to get um th- through like explaining the plot bit by bit without all these observations i'm just going to try to to give a like a a basic thrust here before we get too far and um and then you guys can can build on top of that um if needed uh so obviously um he discovers this 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 pawn this night pond, pond. as he calls it that is a hockey <laughs> rink that only that only he can uh that only he can see and you know he meet actually no you know what i'm realizing in the process of this that i did not retain any of this movie <laughs> <laughs> but basically um the the yeah the main thrust of it is you know he meets a uh, he's friends with a girl who is playing on the hockey team that he used to play on until he uh, quit because of his friend dying and him being oh, depressed. Right? Previous Christmas Eve. As far on the previous Christmas Eve, it's not in the foreground by any means, but it is established that he hates Christmas Eve because, or he hates Christmas because his dad left the family right at Christmas time. The, the main conflict in the movie is that there is a person who wants to like an evil, you know, land baron. That's also a teacher for some reason. It's very confusing. Um, <laughs> wants to build a development around that pond and he tries to stop it. And then along the way uh, he, as I said, like he gets involved with this girl who used to be on the hockey team. He has some interactions with the family of his dead friend. Uh, he learns the the truth about his father and why he left and eventually uh discovers the true meaning of christmas which is playing on an imaginary hockey pond that exists only in your mind uh that's about against your dad who is in a black hockey jersey wearing a visor like he's darth vader or something (laughs) the visor the visor is like you thought eric weinberg's visor was was tinted (laughs) this is the one piece by the way of visual storytelling is that his dad is wearing a black jersey and like black socks and has a dark black tinted mask or tinted visor and he plays it against his son wearing all white. It is so, so overwrought. It's a if bit it was on the nose. one time they use the visual medium to tell. If the that story. visor was was a window, it would be so illegal. Like it's <laughs> yeah. it's like black. You can't it is spray paint painted black. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so let's let's go around here and just. Uh, because because we're we went very long in the first portion of the episode. Let's just go around the table here, and uh, each person can talk about their stray observations from the movie. If you don't mind, I start because I have the least yeah. amount to say. And yeah. by the <laughs> way, I watched this movie. In fact, I never done this before. I rented this movie off of YouTube. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I would, oh, like my, I would like I don't have prime. I would like uh, my four dollars <laughs> no, no. Um this all all this felt like oh okay, it was too long. Cinematography was too dark, writing was whatever. Will Sasso was the only redeemable part about the movie. Also, 
I won't explain the context about this, but right before I started watching this or before I joined you guys here, um, I was watching Entourage. <laughs> I'm not going to explain that part. <laughs> and Bill Sasso was the guest star on that episode. That nice. rocks. So nice. that was cool. Um, anyways, this whole thing just really felt like it was, and I've said this before to you guys, just a spec script idea somebody had for a Letter Kenny Christmas special that was thrown <laughs> into the trash. Yeah. Like that's that's what that is what the vibe is. And I don't mean to denigrate Letter Kenny. Barely seen it. I've heard it's pretty good from people I trust, but yeah. it's uh it was it was just a weak attempt at that, it felt like. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so Will Sasso Santa. Totally, yes. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I want to talk about Will Sasso okay. Santa, but just to piggyback off of that, tonally, it's also you know, it's also just all over the map because there are c- certain parts where you're like, is this supposed to be funny? And certain parts where you're like, this is funny. And then certain parts where you're like, this is really funny, but it's completely unintentional. <laughs> and then there are other parts where it feels like it's supposed to be a heartwarming Christmas movie. And then other parts are supposed to be like a dark, gritty drama. Totally all over the place. I maintain that the worst thing about it is the script. Um, the writing is just terrible and the dialogue is like, good luck trying to say that and make it believable. But um, Elliot, I can tell what you want to introduce here, so I will let you have it. <laughs> okay, so to establish that our angsty teen main character is indeed an angsty teen who hates Christmas, so we can get that nice redemption arc, his mom's taking him and their like kid daughter or kid his kid sister who's like <laughs> eight years old maybe to see Santa at the mall who's played by Will Sasso. Our protagonist Bobby Whiteside gets into a fight with mall Santa because he hates Christmas. Well and in fairness th- this mall Santa is phoning it in harder than any mall Santa has ever phoned it in before. Right. In the yeah. scenes only or in the movie's only good scene and only intentionally funny part which is just Will Sasso being like, all right, uh, look into the camera, smile. You got a picture. Okay. Yeah. Good. Like just kind of doing the whole like quick talking, like, yeah. okay, kid, fuck off kind of thing. And then uh, they're in literally the, o- the scenes only sight gag or the movie's only sight gag and piece of visual storytelling. Like one of the only ones um, the Bobby says something rude to the Santa while he's in the middle of trying to get the picture. And he, he just like points to him and goes like, Hey, what'd you say? And like, g- has this like ugly grimace. And then the picture just comes out with like his little sister smiling and Will Sasso's just like pointing <laughs> off camera, um, which, which for this movie is comedy gold. Um, yeah. <laughs> in That's ter- the funniest in- joke of the movie. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. Bad. Well, there's also the one where Will Sasso then gets mad at Bobby for, you know, ruining these kids' Christmas as he pulls down his beard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. Face. And it's like, okay, that's that's like a legitimate setup and joke. Well, like, Sasso, though, I feel like is the only person in this movie who understands how ridiculous it is. And this is just yeah. playing to that. And also, I wouldn't be surprised if he like improved most of it. I bet he wrote this entire scene himself. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, why why doesn't Sasso get more work, man? He was so funny on Mad TV, so good on on uh Vine. Three Stooges probably killed his career. Yeah, it's a bummer. But I, I have, I have the uh, Will Sasso um, comeback project though. If if there are any uh, movie producers or <laughs> aspiring screenwriters listening to this episode, I have the elevator pitch for you. Careful, the director of this movie might give you a call after I slid into his DMs. Will Sasso, Alex Jones biopic. <laughs> <laughs> 
How much would that rock? First of all, guy looks just like Alex Jones. I'm sorry. Um, Second of all, I guarantee you that this man, he he's, he's got the comedic chops and the manic energy to capture, uh, to capture Alex Jones. That this is the thing that I want to see, but. And Alex Jones is already a funny guy. So this should work really well. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyways, everything else in this movie is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Cody, uh, what were, what were your main takeaways here? Well, I have a few notes. My first note in big, bold letters on my page is uh, the producer of the film who plays the 42-year-old, 20-year-old brother (laughs) gyms the camera in the first six minutes of the movie, which, if you guys don't know what I mean, um, as someone who lives the office in his real everyday life, to gym the camera is when you look directly down the lens of the camera (laughs) as it's filming you in like gym from the office way and kind of make like a what what kind of face and he's the producer of the film and, and so like he would have like the last kind of editing look on this movie and he didn't notice or didn't care he which did is it on purpose <laughs> yeah yeah he had a completely different idea of what the movie was going to be every day on set and that's why it alternates from like gritty drama hilarious comedy and fantasy magic family movie um, as long as we're on the first six minutes of the movie, I have to um, address what is one of my uh, favorite, like unintentionally hilarious exchanges, which is in literally the first scene after our intro with the two kids on the pond, um, yeah. which is, um, you know, they're sitting around having dinner or whatever. And um, the Bobby Whiteside is like being a, a moody teenager or whatever. And he's really like, uh, you know, he's sullen and mad about something, and he goes, Oh, blah blah blah, gosh darn it. Well, he says, Gosh, Dan. It, oh, is that what it is? Yeah, sure. Yeah, he's, he says it wrong. And then, and then one, uh, the like one of the members of the family, because I can't quite remember, goes, like, Hey, don't, you know, don't speak to me that way or whatever. Like, don't, sp- don't speak that way in front of your little sister. And then, uh, little Roxy goes, It's okay. I don't give a darn. And then she goes, Hey, watch your language. And it's like, <laughs> Okay, so first of all, that's completely, that's bizarre that anyone would think that darn is language. I went to a lot of dinners at Christian households when I was a small child, and I don't remember darn ever being a thing that kids weren't allowed to say. I remember kids not being allowed to say shit as ridiculous as like fart or dang, but never darn. That's a new level. Like these, this is a family of like Mormons or something. Um, (laughs) But, um, the other thing that's that's nuts about this is that this thread is completely dropped and never mentioned or referenced again. And there's a scene I, I'm almost certain where the brother like is having a uh, an angry episode and like kicks his car because he's mad and he says the F word. Yeah, that's right. He does. It's totally bizarre. Like, I understand it's a family movie or whatever, but like it just right off the hop they're t- they're they're showing you how badly they're phoning this thing in it's it's unbelievable yeah so a, a lot of my notes basically are just like uh, the writer or the script writer uh obviously has no idea how to write a script without having the characters explain um motivations plot or exposition <laughs> like there was no like line of dialogue saying you know bobby whiteside stares up in dis- disbelief at this magic rink but instead he has the line 
where Bobby Whiteside plays this magical game and then has to say to like looks into the camera, winks and says, where am I right now? <laughs> like, holy shit. Everything, I missed that. <laughs> he doesn't actually look into the camera, but like he might as well, because sure. every line of dialogue has to like thrust the plot forward. There's no there's no trust or anything that the director or the editor can take the story and just edit like a person's reactions to tell you what they're thinking. The only person who does a good job at that is Ned Flanders, the teacher <laughs> who is like great as like a kind of, he's not even a villain. He's just like trying to set himself up for retirement. Like he's just doing he's this. He's just thing. kind of sniveling. And yeah. like, like he, he is the he bad guy. In legitimately the bad thing that I can think of. Yeah. And, and it's not even really that bad. Like, <laughs> like all things considered, like he's, he, uh, what was his wife cheat cheated on him okay with so this is another husband? thing that i definitely noticed about this film so yeah um the developer ned flanders his wife left him and one of these big the biggest mystery presented to us in the plot really is what happened to i think was it cody whiteside yes cole cole uh, you guys cole. should be ashamed of yourself oh no his dad cole. his dad yeah. is cool yeah, yeah was Cole, Cole Whiteside, is what happened to Cole Whiteside. And at a certain point, Bobby goes up to Ned Flanders and asks and presents him with some evidence that he believes Ned Flanders and his mom had an affair, <laughs> which he confirms. And then you later find out is allegedly not true. Yeah, and that he was just being petty yeah. because he was kind of, A, like mad at Bobby and wanted him to leave town so that he could <laughs> would stop fucking around with his weird land development deal that he's trying to do, even though he's a teacher. <laughs> I don't know how you're like building condos on a teacher's salary. It's never really established. Um, and uh, And then also probably just like, yeah, fine, go ahead and believe that. Like, it's nice... Uh, to have somebody believe that when actually my wife was the one who cheated on me or whatever. I don't know. I'm probably yeah. adding in more like subtext <laughs> than was ever intended, but yeah, that was the impression I got out of it. That their subplot is actually so dumb. Cause it's like the, the lake's guy's worried still going to be pond. there. Yeah. The lake is still going to exist. The it's, lake is a major selling point of yeah. the condo development. Yeah. I bet they're going to have pictures of like a, like an ice, like hockey game going on when in like their, development showroom or whatever like look your kids can play on the lake when it freezes it was like why is the kid freaking out it's gonna be fine and like the normal the normal stakes you would put in this movie if you were you know a competent screenwriter would be he wants to keep their home yes but they still wind up selling the house anyway and it's not really resolved what they're doing as a housing situation later just that the older brother's gonna go to college and he's managed to find an apartment it's just a very strange dangling thread. There's many of those in this film. <laughs> Do you uh, it's like have? He, oh, sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's like the screenwriter wrote each page and then forgot what he wrote on the previous page and just kept going <laughs> based on memory, <laughs> but didn't remember what he was supposed to be doing. Um, my I have two things that I wanted to get out that were that were like utterly mind blowing when I first. Uh, when I first saw them. And then also again, when I watched it again, because I was so high the first time I watched this movie that I did not understand a single minute of it and could not follow anything that was happening. And then I watched again and it was slightly better sober. It was still pretty uh, unintelligible, but I was at least able to trace threads that I had completely missed out on the first time. Um, The, uh, the big, the, 
biggest one is that Bob, the character of Bobby Whiteside is apparently the one guy in the world who is incredibly angry and triggered by being told Merry Christmas. Like <laughs> he's that right wing boogeyman who like there are multiple scenes where a character tells him Merry Christmas and he tries to sometimes tries and other and uh, other instances succeeds at punching someone in the face because of it. And I was half expecting the first time when Will Sasso tells him Merry Christmas for him as he's like lunging towards him to punch him for him to be like, it's season's greetings. <laughs> like <laughs> I was, I that was would be uh, way funny. <laughs> that would have been, it would have been so good if the plot of the movie was just that he hated Christmas for that reason. Like this is the one time I've watched one of these terrible movies and, and been like mad. It wasn't more right wing um, because that would have made the movie better. But, and then the other thing is um, the, the most baffling uh, exchange in the movie, most baffling piece of dialogue is Bobby storms into his house uh, while his mom is in the process of, of like signing away to the deal to sell the house or whatever. And he's getting really mad at her. And it's not even really like that clear why he's mad because he's just mad all the time. So he could be mad about anything. And um, I think what they're building towards is that he's mad about not being told the truth about his dad. But what comes out is she's like, why are you mad? What's wrong? And he goes, you told me Santa wasn't real. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, and then, the you know, like, I'm hoping to shift back into Christmas movie. Like later, yeah, no it's established, like you told me Santa wasn't real when I asked about dad when I was nine or whatever, which is like, I understand being mad about that, but like, you open with the context for it. You don't open with like, <laughs> because it comes across as that, like he's mad that he doesn't yeah. still believe in Santa. Yeah, and and the 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 weird like this is what I mean when I say that the Christmas part is so shoehorned in because it's like it almost seems like for a moment they're trying to get at a like Santa is real subplot, but they just didn't have time. Santa is <laughs> in this movie. But, but so, is he sorry, but it's Santa. But, yeah there's a there's a character named gus who to the best of my knowledge appears only in cody's imagination that's the other thing too like the magic and mythos is never really established and he's just a guy who looks like santa but insists that he's just a rink rat who's like there to teach him a lesson and that his name is gus but he looks like santa claus and he has like big bushy white eyebrows that are so bushy that they look like they go into his hair yeah yeah, my note, Gus the Rink Rat reminds me of those old caveman insurance commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, right. So the big point of the ice rink is to give us two separate clim climactic moments, which also is just a mess. One is the aforementioned hockey game against his dad and the reunite, like he gets to play one last game against his best friend. So the big conflict with his dad is why did his dad leave? Where's my dad? It's established that he finds out that there was an affair, but initially he suspects his mom. And then eventually he decides that it was his dad. But here's the problem. Bobby Whiteside is half Asian. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. The, his the mom actor... clearly had the affair. Yeah. His, his, yeah. Um, <laughs> his uh, real name, the actor's name is, he goes by Christian Jackson in this movie, but his real yeah. name is Christian Wang. He's, he's half Asian. Um, 
Yeah, I, I I did also notice that where I was like, uh, I think I'm pretty sure she did have an affair. Um, pretty bad. And like, thing is, like, I'm, well, like race playing casting is good, but maybe not if you're talking about an affair. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like noticeable. Yeah. yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, the other uh, one, like, more thing that we ha- absolutely have to address is the speech that he gives at the end in front of the developers and the townspeople to convince them to literally to any outside observer, not build like a mall and condos and like a huge development so that he can continue to have a hockey rink that exists only in his mind that for some reason he thinks will disappear if they build the development there, even though it's on a lake. So nothing is being built on the lake. It's just being built around the lake. And they've ne- they never established why, like it would go away if they built the development. That's never, never addressed whatsoever. I think um, they're trying to shoehorn in the universal, like career versus family conflict yes. that Hallmark movies love, but just in a yeah. way that makes no sense. While so, also shoehorning the spirit of Christmas also into the speech as well to somehow tie into what giving yeah. or what signing the zoning application off like may, means to them. From what I can tell, his the thesis of his speech is that believing in the hockey rink that exists only in his mind is the same as believing in Santa, which is the same as believing in the spirit of Christmas. And so if you build the development around the lake you don't believe in santa claus or the spirit of christmas and so you can't build the am i getting this more or less it, okay jackson it's- that's <laughs> probably a really good summation of like the idea behind the speech yeah but the <laughs> actual experience of listening to this speech is listening to this guy say night pond every three words <laughs> yeah. for 10 minutes <laughs> And we are not All joking. It is like a seven-minute speech where he says it's like a seven-minute like speech, fourteen or fifteen that he times gives about the night pond and about how important the night pond is to the town, <laughs> even though only he can see the night pond. Except for yeah, it's like it, if you've ever been to a house party and stayed way too late, and the only people left there is like you and someone who's on cocaine while they tell you about like their idea for a startup. It's like this a similar vibe, but instead of a startup, it's like night why pond. I, ha- yeah. Why it's why there's a night pond. That's also the spirit of Christmas. It's someone explaining their dream to you and you're stuck listening to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's remarkable. I thought it was based- refreshing that they actually made the development go forward. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was, was great. That was great. That was a great you know, subversion. The best thing that happens is that then at the end, after giving the speech, they just still build the, <laughs> which is exactly what would happen. Yeah. So I give it points for realism, but it's also like, wait, he just gave that speech for seven minutes so that they could still build the development. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> for realism, it's Christmas. great. From like a yeah. plot narrative weight standpoint, it makes, again, no sense because this. No. It, so, and at the very end of the movie, his brother sees the night rink. It is so bad. <laughs> they're 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 pumping up for a sequel. Yeah. Oh, God, I will I will not watch the sequel. <laughs> I'm saying it right now. I didn't four even hour, want to watch this one. The four hour sequel it twice. To anybody <laughs> who thinks that I am not dedicated to this show, I watched this. Yeah, we'll call it dedication. Twice. It is dedication. 
you know that you would never understand that vias but you know, <laughs> some of us happily <laughs> the things we do for this show um do you was were there were a couple questions you wanted to ask us yeah Good. now these answers can be quick yeah. i won't ask all the ones unless there's some that you guys really want to make sure i answer or ask what real nhl player is the main character based on <laughs> now remember they have to believe in santa <laughs> but also be a huge uh whiny baby that's that's not the word i was gonna use yeah but huge <laughs> yeah. Whiny baby. <laughs> yeah and so they they believe in santa but they also hate christmas and are angry all the time yeah brandon pressed Brandon pressed <laughs> yeah, okay that's my oh and i also right. want to say too uh that the dead kid is um is dale weiss Oh yeah. <laughs> By which I I mean literally it's Dale Weiss. Like go look at a picture of him. He looks yeah, exactly the like exact Dale same. Weiss. Dale Weiss with a haircut. Yeah. But uh for my choice, uh mine was kind of a twofold answer, but I picked Mitch Marner only because <laughs> I feel like his dad gives off strong like I left my other family because my son sucked vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and Mitch Marner like strikes me as the type of dude who'd like be who'd be absolutely furious if he found out Santa wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Cole uh, Whiteside is definitely based on Bobby Hull. That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Elliot, anything? All good. If not, I can move on. To the next question. Okay, which character am I? <laughs> uh, uh, I, I put. You are a uh, Charlie Stangowitz, the best friend, because you strike me as the type to screw up a Princess Bride reference and or know that there was even a Princess Bride reference in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is so niche. That, that's what I'm looking for. Um, what would the takeaways be if the large cast re- reviewed this movie? <laughs> uh, it's good. Why are you being so negative about it? Nothing nothing about it should change. It's fine the way it is. It's funny that you talk about a movie in which the best hockey player on their high school team is established as being the girl. It seems like you guys are just being negative and being anti-women. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Nailed it. We're sick of people canceling Christmas because it appropriates elf culture. (laughs) Also, Santa is still real. And and no one ever says anything about like the Easter bunny. No. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, uh, my, my mentions are going to be fucked. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, going to go over well. They don't listen to this. Luckily, episode. no one is still listening no to this episode, this so we're good <laughs> yeah. to go. Okay, now my last one. This one's for Elliot and Cody. <laughs> what reasons do you two think the Jackson would have for why this movie is a incisive commentary on capitalism? <laughs> and don't say the obvious ones. Uh, Elliot, do you want to go first? Is I the obvious I... one that this movie somehow got made? <laughs> All right, yeah, <laughs> that's a pretty good one. Uh, now, the obvious one was that it's about development. Oh, yeah, this is why I think you would think this is a commentary on capitalism because Jackson loves this movie for its rich tapestry of metaphors. Uh, Charlie mm-hmm. Stangowitz, uh, the best friend who no one remembers, represents planet Earth, Miles Teller, uh, Bobby Whiteside represents the working class and Ned Flanders is basically Joe Biden. He's creepy. He chooses a woman to be his business partner slash running mate, but ultimately he's reduced to crushing the people and their land out of senility and a desire for a happy retirement. Damn. Fair. (laughs) 
I would only thing I would change is that the dead kid is obviously the labor movement. But um, ooh, that's good. Okay. Uh, no, I was gonna say that what this movie is really about is um, it's uh, it's about how uh, it's about patriarchy actually because uh, you know all the women in this movie. Not that there's many of them, but they're all uh, wildly more intelligent and competent to than all of the men in the movie, and yet they are still forced into subservient roles of mom girlfriend um like there are multiple uh like first of all the mom in this movie is a saint she yeah um yeah. she's like she's raised this family all on all her all on her own and she's gonna have to fucking go back to doing that when um her 42 year old son <laughs> husband um uh goes off to college and then the um the the girlfriend Karen, which no like seventeen year old girl has ever been named Karen. That's a name they give you when you turn forty. Okay, um, so this movie <laughs> takes place in the eighties. So that's does, what they say. But what does it? it? Yeah. Okay. Like, what? So not to disrupt what Jackson was saying, but uh, the continuity on this movie is such such yes. nonsense. Um, I don't think it's continuity. I think it's just like the cars they drive with the the most expensive ones they could afford. <laughs> I, w- I will yeah. say too, that the, the last thing just to, 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 to put a pin in that thread about, about women, um, the scene where the, uh, where Karen has to explain to Bobby what a teddy bear toss is <laughs> like, I've, I have literally yeah, seen that, that a thousand times. Uh, if that isn't like, uh, every relationship ever, uh, I don't know what is. So yeah, okay. but continuity, <laughs> bad very bad and sometimes they purposely mess with it so the movie does take place in the 80s there's no way it doesn't um the cars are one thing but they show a clip of a hockey game in which wayne gretzky is playing for both the oilers and the kings <laughs> yeah that rocks <laughs> just uh, and we're not I talking noticed- like these shots are like one second apart i noticed oh, yeah. in my rewatch too that in two consecutive shots, like shot reverse shot, they actually reuse like the same clip of Gretzky, like celebrating behind the net back to back. So it's like, it's as if they were watching a loop of the same, like a GIF almost right. <laughs> on TV, <laughs> which, which is great. It probably was just like somebody with an HDMI cable into their Twitter feed or like <laughs> yeah. YouTube, just like searched Wayne Gretzky highlights and just like hit play. And that's why it's like, you know, <laughs> clip of him with the Oilers and then a clip of him with the King. It's a second later. Yeah. The one other um, thing that establishes it being in the 80s, and the only time they actually respect continuity is that, oh yeah, at one point, Bobby Whiteside pulls a really good hockey stick out of the middle of the lake like he's King Arthur or something. <laughs> and this is it's... a plot point for like four minutes before they forget about it. <laughs> and it's like a wooden curved stick consistent with the 80s. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. Okay. Okay. This movie clearly takes place in Canmore. There's an established shot of downtown (laughs) where it says, welcome to Canmore. This banner was made by the Canmore Better Business Bureau. The road signs are Canadian. One license plate says Colorado, and they are clearly in the States because in the town hall, there's a bunch of American flags. What the fuck, man? I realize that this should not be a problem I have with this movie because there's so many better things to pick on, but... (laughs) Oh, fair enough, man. I, I get it. I'm, I understand why you were upset. This movie did win. A, uh, like I was, I was looking on the IMDb page and there was like a section for awards. And I was like, awards, what? 
like this movie won awards or was nominated and it did it won a ton of awards and it was like this obscure award that i was like i had never heard of and i was like what's the deal with this and then i looked into it and it's just like an award for movies made specifically in alberta (laughs) and more international film festival i want to know what like two (laughs) movies that were made in alberta the uh in 2016 were worse than this one (laughs) like what it beat out um because that's really got to be bad um oh there's another random three minute plot line where he is dri- where Bobby Whiteside is driving down the road. He tunes his radio to a news story about how Back to the Future is now like the biggest film in the world. Oh. And then he travels back in time to like, I don't know, I guess the <laughs> 50s to a rink where his dad is still on the minor league Badgers team. Wow, man, you noticed so much more yeah. about this than I did. I'm, I'm impressed. I, I I literally did not pick up on the the fact that it was t- took place in the eighties until you mentioned it. Also, if Back to the Future is the biggest film, then it's the nineteen eighty five. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I just refuse to give the filmmakers that much credit that they actually tried to set this movie into the eighties. <laughs> I I'd rather believe that this was accidental, and yeah. they just happened to turn on the radio, <laughs> and it was like some weird. Canmore local radio show that played old shock jock saying that like today is the day (laughs) that they travel forward to it's someone it's someone doing the world's worst Orson Welles War of the Worlds (laughs) bit ever where they're like just try doing a radio broadcast and trying to convince whoever's listening that they've traveled back to the year 1985 (laughs) I also because I was thinking about uh, I was thinking about Field of Dreams because obviously this movie is a a ripoff of Field of Dreams and I just kept thinking about this thing about like the idea of like field of dreams is just about a guy who who has a re- has the world's most expensive fetish which is watching people raise cornfields and build uh <laughs> baseball diamonds there and then i was just thinking about him hiding in the cornfields and just being like if you build it i will come i mean you will come <laughs> anyways uh any any anything else to say about a miracle on christmas lake I feel like we've pretty much covered no. it. Oh, we actually we actually probably talked about this more than the script writer and the director did when they were making it. Fair. The uh, hockey the actors were all better hockey players than the kids in the Mighty Ducks. Fair. Well, on the Mighty Ducks, I actually did like that there was kind of like a a tie like a tie-in to the other movie we watched and that we kind of have this running theme together whenever I'm on this show that they have this really talented female hockey player in the movie who gets relegated to girlfriend duty by the director. Cause he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. It is very much the same, the same deal. She's also the best actress in the movie. I would say yeah. other than, well, the best actress, but, and the best performance other than obviously Will Sasso who yeah. somebody <laughs> out there, if you're listening, make the, make the Will Sasso, Alex Jones movie. It'll be good. <laughs> I promise. You don't even have to, that's a free idea. I will demand no money for it. it I just, just for the good of the planet. <laughs> we need to see it in these dark times. Um, on that note, you can follow me on Twitter at Failson McDonald. You can follow me at Vyasaran. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. And you can follow me at Cody Siebertson. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. The uh, This will probably be our, this may be our last episode of 2020, although I do kind of have a, hopefully something planned for just post Christmas. But um Normally, I would try to cut this down and make it uh, like tighter, but I figure there's probably going to be a lot of people who over the next few days don't have much to do 
and uh, it might be nice to listen to us talk shit for like over an hour and a half. So um, hopefully that's the case. Uh, at, at any rate, uh, I hope all of you out there are staying strong, staying safe, trying to weather this storm. And uh, here's to a better 2021 because holy shit, it feels like it can't get much worse than this. Oh, shit. Apply for your BC recovery benefit too. Yeah, absolutely. Get, those get that bucks. free monies. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I got, I can't wait to tell you guys about that. Anyways, Merry <laughs> Christmas, happy new year, all the other ones. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Good night. Yep. Thanks everyone.